I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. We welcome back a very, very special guest host today. One of the hosts of the Mark Out Mania show on YouTube, and as I found out this evening, is in the Horseman time zone rather than the Mid-South time zone. All the way from Greensboro, North Carolina, Zeus King is here. How are you doing, Zeus? Great. Thank you for having me, Stephen. No, welcome back. They say you always remember your first, so um, we're going back to right right at the start of uh, guest host with the very first one that we had. So, before we move on and chat wrestling, how are things in in Greensboro? What what how is the world at the moment with you guys over there? Um, the, there's a lot of good social distancing. A lot of people wearing masks. Um, I bought some I bought some face shields back in November to to keep myself uh, warm in the colder weather and they've come in real handy so they said that uh you know we're doing really well here and uh you know hope hopefully you know we're we're helping you know to the good good well that's that's very very encouraging it's nice to hear some some positivity because uh, we don't hear too much in london at the moment sadly uh, but but since we last spoke which was just after the royal rumble wasn't it? so late january i'm um, just interested what, what what have you been watching since then have you have you kept i know at the time you were sort of dipping in and out of raw and smackdown have you kept up with any wwe stuff any AEW stuff what's what's been occupying your time um well um you know we, we have been um uh, you know a, a little bit here and there you know around wrestlemania um uh and and just just kind of dabbling in here and there uh the the we are stardom shows that they've been having on youtube have been uh uh a lot of fun to watch um and uh the the n w a has been uh, you know they kind of had to uh alter their programming because they had stuff recorded all the way through uh the crockett cup twenty twenty which was supposed to be this this uh, past uh, Sunday, and so they they've had to to put out some different things here and there. So um, you know, uh, I, I've actually thought about starting to watch uh, uh, MLW. I, I've I've heard a lot of good things about that. So um, yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because I, th- I think. Um with regards to um, the Stardom show, that's that's interesting because that was the one because that was one at Corican Hall maybe two or three weeks ago where they had they had a crowd, didn't they? I think. Um, yeah, they that were was, the first yeah. like uh, no people gate. Yeah, I watched that, and I, I, you know what, I, I actually signed up for Stardom World for that, and I thought that I'd be able to watch the second half of that live, but you couldn't do it, and it just it kind of put me off, and I never ended up watching the end of the. Though also their own Twitter account spoiled the result of that. I don't know if you, you caught that, um, but I watched that live in the UK because it was like ten thirty in the morning, and I was, and then all of a sudden, I think within maybe two or three days, everything was just back to back to lockdown in in Japan. So it didn't it didn't last very long in terms of the, you know, the the comeback, if you like, sadly. Right. So, so what have the NWA done? Are they? Because I know you're a big NWA power fan. Are, are they? How, are they been able to tape anything in advance, or are they just shut, shut like RHs at the moment? Well, they, they because the, everything they shot in advance was the lead up to the to the pay per view to the Crockett Cup, mm. and they weren't going to be able to have the Crockett Cup. They just kind of they've shelved everything. Right. Okay. So I I think what they may do is they may. Uh, use some of those matches for later, but I think a lot of that story is going to kind of have to be, you know, redone after, you know, they're able to resume, uh, taping again. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oddly enough, they had at least, they had at least one match before everything began on power where it was, it was an empty arena. It was an empty studio. Oh, how interesting! I wonder. That's just just a just. A, I suppose it's just an odd odd coincidence, I guess. I think probably, it was. Yeah. I think they were just trying to trying to, you know, film a segment that they needed done, uh, and so and then of course yesterday, uh, the NWA put uh, put up the last year's Crockett Cup on on YouTube for free and debuted it, and um, Nick Aldis was in and out of the live chat. And uh, and even Ric Flair. Uh, oh, that's by. great! That's great. So he he watches Power sometimes. He he come, he'll he'll pop in, and you'll see that he's uh he's there watching Power too. So that's pretty pretty cool. 
Yeah, that's great. So what was the, what was that chat? Was that um, like a text chat that was that was going on while the, right. while the show was it, going it on? Just, yeah, yeah, streaming along with the the the, the live premiere of last year's uh, Crockett Cup, which was a lot of fun for me because I was there second row, and uh, but I, I didn't get to see any of it on on uh, on broadcast until until last night. I mean, I think that's um, that's uh, an interesting thing for wrestling promotions around what they can do to to bring some some pretty unique content. And I actually think so. There was a thing here. Um, this is this is about as off topic from wrestling as you can get. But our uh, probably number two or number three, probably number two game in the UK is cricket. So we, we England won the Cricket World Cup last summer. And there was a, there was another big thing that happened, and you had a thing over Easter weekend where you had the main sort of players in a little box in the corner, all on Skype, talking your way through this this match. And it was like three hours, three hours one day, three hours the next day. And I tell you what, it was one of the most. It was like watch listening to a podcast about an event, but watching it at the same time, and it was just with the with the key people involved. And I think there's, there's, for WWE, obviously, they went for a stage where they were taping a lot of stuff in advance and showing some old matches. Now they've got they've gone. They went one week where they went sort of basically live, and now they're taping again. But I just thought that there must be a way you could put you know put Bret Hart and Steve Austin on Skype and get them talking about WrestleMania 13. I bet people would tune in for that, oh, and also. Boy. Yeah, of course yeah. it would. I mean, that'd be unbelievable. And I, th- I think that would that would get them past their worries with the USA Network around first run program because they could say, well, this is first run because you know this is this is we created this for this situation. So it sounds like they were NWA Power had that in a sort of way, but they could maybe expand on that. Yeah, that would that would be very interesting to see uh, stuff like that. Um, you know that you know that that match the match. Uh, I I think it was just very historic. Uh, seeing two two British wrestlers wrestling for the NWA World Heavyweight Title in North Carolina at at a Crockett Cup, and I, you know, to me, I I think that just says, you know, so many good things about you know wrestling in in you know in the modern time. You know, I, I think that's just I think it's just a wonderful, amazing thing, and uh, you know, I was I was glad to see it, and it was definitely. It was my match of the year for last year. So I need to go back and watch. Now I've got a bit more. I am still working, but now I've got a bit more time. I will. I will have to go back and watch that. And I, I listened through our sh- to most of our show today, and I made a really bad blunder when I was talking about NWA World Championships and British people, because obviously Nick Aldis is British <laughs> and he's an NWA World Champion. So yeah. I can only apologise for that when I was talking about sort of first. We were talking about at a discussion around sort of subjectivity and around and around World Championships, but obviously Nick Aldis and and actually as well he. Was was TNA world champion as well, wasn't he? At one point, I believe. Um, as Magnus. I don't know if he was a world champion, but I, know, I think he was a, a champion of some what sort. Was he? Okay, yeah. Maybe I've got that. I mean, I wasn't super into TNA towards the um, towards the end of their uh, sort of. I guess that was probably towards the back end of their um, sort of run on Spike, wasn't it? I suppose. I think so. Yeah, some of that that stuff where he was Magnus and all of that. Oh yeah, here we go. So uh, yeah, TNA World Heavyweight Champion once between in uh, March. Uh, sorry, not March. I'm re- reading the dates UK way rather than the US way. So Dece- uh yeah, Dece- no, uh, no, that was March. Yeah, sorry, 12th of March 2013 um, until October 2014. So no, uh, is, uh, sorry, Zeus. I don't know if this is round round uh, US way or not. I think this is who knows. But he was he was TNA World Champion. I mean, I must say that was a fantastic bit of bit of podcast in there, wasn't it? While well, I'm uh, <laughs> uh, stumbling over what's going on. So, have you caught any of the WWE stuff behind uh, behind closed doors while they've been while they've been doing that? Yeah, a little bit of it. It's just not. Um, it's just not. It's just not very. You know, I, I'm glad that people are enjoying it that that are that are enjoying it, but it's just not it's just not really holding my attention. And oh, yeah. you know, uh, and it, you know, just kind of the same with with AEW. It's just not it's just not pulling me in. And I've tried yeah. I've tried watching it with a with an open heart. I mean, I just like I'm like okay, you know, like you know, do you know, do what you do what you're doing, and it's you know, I can't argue with it because they're you know they're successful. Yeah. You know, I mean there there's you know there's nearly a million people watching it almost every week. So. Um, so you know, so if you because you, you, I remember when we spoke before you weren't su- sort of super into AEW 
anyway. But I suppose this empty arena stuff is just probably... T- I mean, I think they've lost a lot of steam as a result of this this change. Certainly some characters they were pushing, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... Um, you know, I think that they've... You know, if if they were to do a little more... I mean, if they go back to, to taping everything and then they have a little bit more social interaction... You know, I, I think that's I think that's kind of that's more fun, because um, like for instance, like uh, during during WrestleMania, you know, Bailey came away with her her title, mm. and then she posted a video from home from like right after her watching that of her holding her belt like rolling on the floor laughing her ass off. And I just, I was like, now that's entertaining. Yeah, it's not a bit different, certainly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then, like, see, during Lucha Underground, the I, I'm pretty sure it was in their contracts that, that they were all supposed to be live tweeting while the episodes were happening. And so a lot of them were, were around to, to interact with fans while the episodes were airing. Oh, how interesting! I wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me in this day and age for a tape show that they did that. I think that's a pretty ingenious idea, really. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, uh, the, the best interaction I ever got was uh, um, Son of Havoc uh, had Dar- Dario Cueto just kept putting him through the ringer and just giving him hard match after hard match after hard match, and uh, and I, I added Dario and I was like, I wonder what. Son of Havoc ever did to, to Dario Cueto to make him, you know, give him all these, you know, tough matches. And he, he, re, he replied back to me. He's like, maybe he asked me too many questions on Twitter. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's really, really good. So, yeah. That's great. So did you catch any of WrestleMania at all? Or do you, you sort of had enough of them? Yeah, to re- yeah some um, of it. I mean, yeah. you know, I was I was watching. I was, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a uh, John Morrison, Johnny Mundo fan. Mm. Uh, so... Um, that, that was kind of a hard, that, that ladder match was not my favorite, but, uh, uh I didn't like, they were killing themselves in front of no one. I, I just, yeah, I yeah. found that a bit difficult, difficult to watch. And, you know, it just, uh, you, you just want to see them, you know, I, I want to see these people shine, you know, I mean, I don't hate anybody, uh, you know, in WWE or anything, you know, it's just, you just want to see. You know, maybe just just them kind of. I mean, they either need to sequester everyone, you know, for a couple of months at a time, and then do some, and then just tape a whole bunch of. St- I mean, kind of lucha underground. It. I mean, just mm-hmm. get everybody together, make sure everybody's healthy as much as you can, you know. Then do a d- tape a shitload of stuff because that was the thing in a month. In a month, the Lucha Underground people put out like they they did like one one season was like thirty six episodes or something like that. Mm. It can and be I'm, done. It can be done. Lots yeah, of television. Can be done. I know wrestling's a bit different because of the physical element of it. But AEW, for example, they taped so all of their stuff up to their pay per view, which is twenty third of May. Everything is in the can already for that, I believe. Uh, and they've they basically what they've done is they've taped uh, matches and they've got a lot of. Um, kind of like UFC countdown type show stuff. The, the, the build up to um, Moxley and Jake Hager this week was particularly good with that. So they've really, really maximised every single minute they can possibly get to get these shows out. WWE, on the contrary, are doing, they, they went, they taped a lot and then they got everyone together again. Then they, and they thought they were taping a lot of stuff. Then they said, well, actually, we're coming back live. They did one lot of live, but now they're coming back every other week, which is actually no good because the guys, if, if a guy that's got a young family or, you know, a, a parents live with them, all sorts of scenarios, and they want to go and isolate themselves for two weeks to make sure they're okay, they haven't got enough time to do that because they've got to get back out on the road. And you're absolutely right. They should be taping five and six weeks in one or two days. The guys can then, you know, stay in a room, stay out of the way of their families, do the best they possibly can. So I'm sure quite a lot of these guys have probably got pretty good, pretty big houses. So go and do what they need to do for two weeks. Uh, if you're going to run at all, and that's the other thing, I understand why WWE is running because of the t- television contracts. Yeah. I guess that's the same for AEW. What, what did you think about the cuts and stuff that happened last week? Uh, you know, the this, this is the thing, is when, you know, over the last several years, we've seen 
WWE just sign people after, you know, people after people after people. And, you know, we've all heard these running jokes about, you know, stuff. It's like, you know, well, you're just riding and catering. You know, you're sitting and catering. And, you know, basically so many people have, have you know, that spent a lot of time doing nothing there. Yeah. But but getting paid. And, you know, like we, we saw, you know, the revival. They want to, you know, they wanted out. They didn't, you know, they were just like, hey, you know, we're we're done doing what you want us to do, you know, doesn't matter if it's 700 grand a piece a year, we're, we're done. So, yeah. I mean, people, people, you know, you know, and then, and at the same time is kind of like with, when, with, uh, Anderson and Gallows last year, you know, they were contemplating leaving and then they re-signed, mm. which everybody said they were leaving and then they didn't. And, and now they're gone. So it's, uh, it's pretty interesting, you know, what's, what's happening. The, the, the worst part is, of course, is that, that, that 99% of the people that were let go are not going to go anywhere and work right now. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that is difficult for me. I, I can't remember the figures off, off the top of my head, but we're not talking about, a great deal in terms of the costs that are purely salary related i think we're talking about less than a million dollars a month and for a company that's got uh, i think their cash reserves are something where between 90 and 100 million like actual cash and they've got something like 400 i think the total figure is 500 million dollars available cash either in cash on hand or actual physical cash in the bank or uh, overdrafts uh cash you know funding facilities etc and i just think the right thing to do in this is to say to our stock you know that their their shareholders that actually we're not going to cut people during this time i understand that i don't know how the furlough system works in the in the u.s whether it's the same as here the furlough system here works in the um up to a certain amount which is two thousand five hundred pounds a month um the government will pay 80 percent of your salary and then your employer can top it up to 100 percent if they're able to but i don't know if the, does the are you familiar with the furlough because i know some of the WWE producers have been furloughed there which is obviously a little bit different than being completely let go yeah, I don't know exactly how it works. No, uh, I'm not sure thank, either. Thankfully. Yeah. I think uh, it's um <laughs> I think it might be just that they can still claim company benefits in the states. Um please reach out to me if you've got any if there's an, uh, if you're listening and you've got any articles on this. I'm interested to know as it's just come up in natural conversation. But yeah, the guys yeah. that are not that are not been furloughed, um they are um they're not going to be able to work and that's the thing that's that's, that's a challenge because actually um this could go on a long time. I mean, I, f- I think a few of them will be picked up by AEW. I'm sure Gallows and Anderson will be back in, back in New Japan. I wouldn't be surprised if they're in both, actually, and they, they do the, the crossing between the two. But it's very tough to know now, you know, when, when, when is normal, anything close to resembling normal is going to be yeah. back, really. And, you know, the, the, um, the, the, I believe, I believe it was Sean Ross Sapp said that, when the calls started to the employees that everybody was going to get paid for the next three months mm-hmm. that was being let go. So at least they're getting that, you know, and, and that who knows that, you know, that, I mean, that might be enough to get them through until, you know, they can get signed somewhere once things happen again. Um, I, I think that might be the NXT guys though, but I could be wrong about that. Um, but yeah, and, I, I, did, exactly. I did read that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Like I said, I think that's what he said. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I think I heard him say about the NXT guys is that the ones that are going to be let go will be there for the next 30 days paid. And then, then their contracts are dissolved and then they can go anywhere they want. Mm. I think that's what I heard. I mean, so, it's, 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 it's very tough for these, these guys, isn't it? And I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure they've got, especially with these guys on big contracts. I mean, I, I suspect Gallison and Anderson probably thought they were, they were safe as houses after signing that. And you can understand why they, why they stayed there for the money that was on offer. Um, right. but yeah, very, very tough times for the, for the guys. Um, and obviously we're missing our Japanese racing at the moment as well. We've, we've basically no, no new Japan show since, um, I think the new beginning series was the last one they ran and we didn't get the anniversary show fell just the, just the wrong side of the, um, of the, the, the shutdown there, unfortunately. But yeah, it's, it's very sad, isn't it? When you think that everything that led up to the Tokyo Dome and stuff this year, Naito's championship 
you know, proper championship run after beating a card, all that stuff is just sort of not happening. And there's lots of things that are like the hangman pace up in AEW, Drew McIntyre winning the world title at WrestleMania in front of nobody. There's lots of things that just, just, you know, aren't going to play out the way they were likely to because of all this. It's really, really sad. Yeah, I, it, I mean, and, and, you know, WrestleMania just does so well with a crowd because, you know, the people that are into it, you know, they, they're ready for it. And, you know, when they get the payoff, you know, that's a great thing. I, I, you know, I wish, uh, you know, I wish, uh, you know, McIntyre had, had gotten, uh, you know, had gotten that, that WrestleMania moment in front of 80,000 people. Um, you know, same for, you know, just, just all the, all the, you know, people there. Um, uh, another thing too that, that's kind of interesting is that when you look at some of these people who are signed and got let go, like, like Leo Rush, you know, he's, you know, he, he was just, uh, you know, running around on, on the independence just a few years ago. Mm. I, I, I saw him in 2016 at, at my local, uh, place in, uh, uh, AML wrestling. He was, mm, yeah, he was yeah. there. Uh, so was Cedric Alexander. Um, so was, uh, 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 Killer Cross, you know, uh, Shane Strickland. Shane Strickland versus Cedric Alexander was the main event that, that one night. And that was just, like I said, that was just four years ago. And, it, you know, there's, there's so many guys that were, you know, kind of came up and then, you know, they they got signed and now they're, they're gone, you know, it's just, you know, it's just yeah, it's, kind of sad. It is really sad, um, really sad. I, I think that the indie scene, hopefully, I mean, who knows, maybe later this year we'll be back and, and, and be able to thrive because people will want to go and see, um, will go, want to go and see wrestling. But I've heard, I've heard a few people say that actually when things open up again, they think that perhaps some people might be a little bit, have some sort of trepidation about being in big crowds so that, and that, that could impact on spectator sports. But I suppose it's all, it's all, uh, we'll have got to wait and see, I suppose, in terms of what exactly happens with all this. Yeah. 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 It's, so let's just hope, let's hope for the best. Yeah. Let's absolutely. Hope, let's, hope things, let's hope things, you know, turn out well and, and we get a, we get a vaccination or something sooner than later. This is what we need. We need some, some American boffins and some English boffins to get their heads together, lock them in a room and get a vaccine and just get this, get us, get this thing done. And until then, we'll, uh, we'll carry on watching Mid-South Wrestling and cheering ourselves up. So we'll move into the, uh, May 19th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling, which is episode 245 on YouTube. Um, and this week we have Boy Pierce and Joel Watts at the desk. Um, Joel boy, has been in. Boy, yeah. was, was he a dry popcorn fart? <laughs> oh my you know God. He's I mean, much, he's like, he's like, God. this boy really knows his stuff. It's like, this boy can barely talk. I don't know if you, whether you've seen any other episodes just, just before this, but believe it or not, Watts, Joel Watts has actually improved probably four or five times at this point than he was on the very first episode, um, which is, which is unbelievable, really. I think it's the, I think, yeah, it's, um, it's in this episode where Boyd says something really interesting about them. So I wonder if he, if they'd had some sort of particularly bad feedback. Uh, but Boyd is wearing a lovely looking salmon suit with matching tie, which is a solid seven out of ten on the Boyd Pierce fashionometer. Um, and he announces the matches this week, which include Magnum TA versus Mr. Wrestling 2. Dr. Death, Steve Williams versus Nikolai Volkov, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Krusher Khrushchev. Um, Boyd then says he wants to tell us all about the man that is going to be helping him call the action. He's known him for a long time, and he's known his father even longer. He's been listening to him the last few weeks, and he's one of the most knowledgeable young men in all of professional wrestling. He then asked the viewers to do him a personal favour. Please listen to him. Please think about him. Be behind him and support him. He's going to convey his thoughts on what really counts. So do you think this is a reaction to his performance being so bad over the last, over the first couple of weeks and they might have had complaints here, do you think? Oh, it's got to be something. It's bizarre, wasn't it? I thought it was totally oh. bizarre, yeah. And I, I, I think it must be because he, Joel, Joel was, was passable in this, especially like listening to sort of some of the WWE commentators now, um, yeah. especially Tom Phillips and stuff. They're just very ro- robotic, but he, um, I thought he was all right, but he was he was terrible the first couple of weeks. Um, 
So now we're going to something monumental, the $50,000 contract signing for the tag team titles. We cut to Jim Ross in the ring, plus Grizzly Smith, the Rock and Roll Express, Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express. Um, and next week, the tag team titles will be on the line, one full and no disqualifications. Um, so what did you think of this setup here with all the guys sort of in ring um, and to get this contract signing done? It, it was, uh, you know, it was a, a good, it added... Um, it added a lot to the uh, to the to the upcoming week. I think it was a good lead in, um, you know, and and that you really, I think, you know, toward the end of the signing and everything, you kind of got that feel like you know the Midnight's were ready to jump them, were ready yes. to jump the rock and roll, and um, and and they didn't, but uh, uh, they. Uh, they definitely had a, a very hostile, palpable atmosphere. The the crowd was was into you know everything. You know the fifty thousand dollars was was put up. You know, you know as incentive for the rock and roll to to sign on to to put their championships up against uh, uh, beautiful Bobby and, and lover boy Dennis. So. Uh, uh, and and you know Jim Cornette and uh, and Jim Ross both they were quite svelte back then. Yeah, they were. They were absolutely. So I'll just quickly run through this. Grizzly Smith says he wants both teams to understand the terms of this contract. Mr. Cornette, you put up fifty thousand dollars of big cheers in the crowd here against the Mid South Tag Team titles held by the Rock and Roll Express, and there's even bigger cheers than they're mentioned. Um, now, in this agreement, if the Rock and Roll Express wins, they get Cornette's fifty thousand dollars. And Rock and Roll, you understand, if Mr. Cornette's team wins, you lose the tag team titles and you don't get any money. Cornette says he understands what he's going to go, what what he's doing but he doesn't know about Smith. Ross then asks Cornette to sign the contract, and he says he never signs anything without reading it first. Cornette takes his time over the three copies of the contract, and he signs first, then Rock and Roll Express, and then later Grizzly Smith, and then Jim Ross, who describes himself as the witness. He then confirms that this is all going to happen next week, and he reconfirms it's one fall with a no disqualification stipulation, which he says is one of the first times that's ever happened on television. Ross confirms that contracts have been signed, and this match will happen. He says it's the most historic thing that has ever been part of that he's ever been part of, and he asked Cornette for a comment. Cornette says these two grinning idiots over here think you pulled something over on us when you hornswoggled us over the belts, but he always has the last word. Morton says they will defend the titles any time because they are fighting champions, and when it's all said and done, they're going to be fifty thousand dollars richer. I like this, but I think a, a big brawl or something was probably needed here. I think. What did you think? I think the I think the fact that that it was really hinted that at the end of it because because the rock and roll took the belt their belts off yes. and they were they, you know it's like even though you know even though it's like you know they they had you know the the midnights and 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 uh, Jim had the had the tennis racket ready to go that you know I I'd, I'd take a you know I'd rather get hit by a tennis racket than a championship belt you know so i think i think they were i think the midnights were outgunned even though they were they had the numbers yeah absolutely it was i mean it was a great segment and it felt that this was pretty big i thought in terms of next week i just i just expected something to happen that didn't 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 happen but maybe that's some of the genius in it that that actually you didn't get anything you didn't get any action between and you had to come back next week and sit and see that um, so back to the desk, and Boyd reiterates that the Express Showdown for $50,000 is happening next week, and he says it's going to be one great, exciting thing. Um, he says not everyone could be a winner, but all you lovely ladies have fallen in love with the Rock and Roll Express, but only two ladies can be the winners of the Super Date at the Superdome competition. They then replay the entire competition video that played a couple of times last week, set to Van Halen's Jump. So what did you think of this this basically the focus of the promotion is getting the Rock and Roll Express. I know at least one of them was married, and I suspect the other one was as well. A date for the Superdome weekend. What did you think of this uh, competition? Oh man, I I just uh, <laughs> the, my first thought was is what what kind of I mean how how explicit were the photos that were sent to them? Oh my god! And yeah. and what and what were some of the 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 twenty five words or less that these you know girls used to try to get this date that's that's what yeah. I wanted to know because uh, I mean there was not 
there was not a tag team any hotter than the Rock and Roll Express in 1984, as far as, you know, baby face, you know, girls love them, tag team, you know, except, I mean, it, the the Fantastics had to be a close second, but, I mean, it's just that, I mean, girls just went nuts for Ricky and Robert. It didn't matter where they went. I mean, the, 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 the two, the, well, the three bits that have amused me so much in this is how, how much, uh, Ross and Watts, uh, have stressed that this is, that the, you know, the ladies got us in their absolute best photos here. Um, the third, the second thing is the fact that they, um, they have only asked them to write 25 words, which is not <laughs> very much. So you can't write, you can't, we're not going to read 50 words or 100 words. We don't even really want you to write anything. 25 words. And the set, the third thing is the unmarried bit. So obviously they keep saying you've got to be unmarried, but I bet they got a lot of married entries. Um, oh, I thought yeah. this is, yeah, yeah, this, this is extremely funny. Um, so up first in ring, we have Mark Reagan, who I've not seen before, versus Jerry Gray. And this is the first appearance of Mark Reagan on Mid-South Television. Um, he later wrestled in Florida under the NWA banner before moving on to Memphis and was more of a fixture in Mid-South in 1985. So do you know much about this guy? Do you have any memories of uh, Reagan? No, and I think he was raging. I think he was like, you know. Oh, okay, yeah. Like raging. And uh, I, I was not familiar with him. But he was very he he was had great rhythm and was you know he was dancing to Billie Jean mm. by Michael Jackson and he was incorporating that into the match and the crowd was just they were loving it and uh, uh, no I I'd actually never seen this guy before and uh, he he was he was quick and and explosive and he made short work of that uh, the the guy that looked kind of like. Uh, Bill Irwin. Yeah, he did. So I, look, I looked up this guy. He did a lot, quite a lot of work for All Japan as well from the start of 87. Um, and while he seemed to have a big career break between 1990, which was just after a brief run as enhancement tale- talent on WF television, um, he was then back doing uh, shows for All Japan in 98 before retiring. So, yeah, as you mentioned, he came out to Michael Jackson's Billy, uh, Billy Jean, not Billy King, that's something... Uh, <laughs> Billy Jean King is the tennis player, isn't it? That's, that's why I'm right. going to use yeah. Um, to a decent reaction, does a nice flip getting in. Um, busting out some Michael Jackson moves in a white hat, and the crowd is just eating it up. Um, Gray appears to be just absolutely devastated that this guy is in just a much better dancer than him, and he's getting really bent out of shape here. Uh, he then goes to raging, uh, but gets smashed with the forearm, and the bell rings. But the Michael Jackson song is continuing while he's dancing. Um, Joel Watts says the crowd is mesmerized by this, and, and um, he's raining pure charisma. Uh, he starts break dancing, and the ladies in the crowd scream, and the music's still playing. Um, yeah. Raging has a shirt on that says Thriller on the back. Finally, yep. the music stops. Uh, and Gray is on top before Raging gets him with a hip toss and then catches him with a decent-looking flying head scissors. Um, he, he continues wrestling with his vest on. Gray hurls him into the corner, but Raging leaps up to the second rope and takes Gray down with a cross-body block for the win in two minutes, 12 seconds. Um, and most of that time was spent dancing. I thought this was decent, actually. I mean, it was, it was a bit different, but I, I thought the guy obviously had some talent here. What, what did you think of this uh, short match overall? I thought he was a he was great for the crowd. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, here you got, you know, young, exciting, you know, a guy, you know, once again, something outside of Bill Watts's, you know, wheelhouse is people in whatever modern time it is, you know, whatever year it is that he's living in. Um, so bravo to whoever, you know, brought that guy in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I thought he, I thought he was great. Um, so next up, we have a non-title tag team match between Buddy Landell, Masaito, and the Rock and Roll Express. And as is customary, the crowd absolutely lose their shit for Morton and Gibson's entrance. I mean, these guys, it's just, and also, I, I think I mentioned maybe a podcast or two ago that quite a lot of their entrances where these crowd, these crowds go nuts is probably the second or third time they've seen them at the taping and they're still, I mean, that is incredible. I remember Steve Austin back in, uh, the height of Raw in sort of late 97, 98. He would, uh, generally speaking, come out for an angle at the start of the show, and that would be his big pop. And then maybe been like a tag team match or something towards the end, and he'd still get a good react, like better than anyone gets now. But these guys get like they get they get the the big pop every single time they're coming out, and it's just it's just incredible. They're just so so good. I, I guess you would have seen these guys in their in their prime live, I presume, around sort of mid, mid to late eighties. I'm guessing. Right. Uh yeah, they 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 were probably um you know, probably 84, 85, 86 uh was probably 
three of their absolute best years. Mm. Um, and, you know, they're just they they. I tell you, and we'll get to the to the next episode, but um, but yeah, they they really did a number on uh, on uh, Ito and uh, and Buddy Landell. They were just they were white hot, and uh, and they 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 kind of made short work out of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these guys with great purple tights on, sparkly red vests. Um, and again, it's, here's a match with some names ahead of a bigger match um, with one one set of competitors the following week, which seems to be a bit of a thing, a bit of a device that Mid-South is using around this time, especially with Magnum, where they're pushing Magnum towards the North American title shot again. So actually, that you're, you're getting, rather than all enhancement matches, you're getting people with names, which, which yeah. is really, really interesting. And ultimately, as you, as you mentioned... Um, uh, Morton and Gibson here win this one really, really quickly. So um, after a couple of minutes, um, Buddy Landell rallies and makes a tag to Masahito, who's on the top, and he traps Gibson in a bear hug and then slams him from one turnbuckle to the other before depositing him on the mat. He then goes for the headbutt but misses, and this gives Gibson a chance to tag out. Morton gets back in and takes over with punches on both men before they throw Ito into the ropes and hit him with their double drop kick for the win in 3.47. Um, so I was a bit surprised it's as clean as a whistle. Because that's the other thing. When they do do matches between named people, you're always half expecting, like the early nitros, like lots of wrestling versions have done, and it's completely understandable. But you're expecting something to happen and not get a clean finish. Um, but, the, the, yeah, this was great. Clean as a whistle. What did you think of this um, this match uh, before we get into the post-match angle here? It, it's it's pretty it's pretty light. You know, um, uh, Buddy Landell wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't who he would, you know, he became a much bigger star when he got to Mid-Atlantic. Mm. Um, I think, you know, even though he was in, he was in better shape uh, here in, uh, in Mid-South. But, um uh, you know, they, they were, it's just, you know, it was a good solid match, you know, not, not too long, you know, enough to, enough to get the crowd going and, and, uh, not overstay their welcome. Yeah, exactly. I think this was about giving, uh, giving the, the crowd what they wanted and that was get them out there, get the, you know, get the big, the big, uh, rock and roll express signature moves in the double drop kick and then get them, get them gone really. So, um, yeah, no, I thought, I thought it was, it was pretty good for what it was. Um, so next up, um, out, so we're still around the ring with rock and roll express and out come the two Mr. Wrestlings. Um, and Mr. Wrestling says, why don't you two get in here and give us a title match, you big thieves? Um, I just think Mr. Wrestling has been so, so good in everything I've seen him. It's just, just, it's just brilliant. As I keep saying it, I'm, I'm boring myself saying it, but this is, this guy has got the best facial expressions of anyone I've ever seen wearing a mask. I don't know how he does it, but you can, you can he's got body language in his face and he just when he's snarling and when he's cutting these promos he just you can just he just radiating disgust basically um morton says they've just got done wrestling on tv um but you sign on the dotted line and name a place but for now they're going home uh, mr wrestling says they might be going home but they won't be going home with these my boy uh, they have the two lovely red sparkly vests that rock and roll express came out with and they tear them up um the rock and roll express try and get them back in uh, get them back and make the save for the jacket so they're too far gone and mr wrestling one and two are out of there what's registered his disgust on commentary and says he can't believe it and uh, what did you think of this angle with the the two mr wrestlings here um well uh you know the the second one is uh hercules hernandez yes yep and uh sadly sadly so much of his career he's a he's a mass a mass second banana mm. um but he did it he did it well i i, I liked hercules hernandez as himself but um, you know, there you go. Uh, you know, when you talk about Mr. Wrestling 2, you see, for the vast majority of the rest of America, and especially in the Georgia viewing area, the TBS viewing area, you know, which spanned the, the, a lot of the, the Southeast, Mr. Wrestling 2 was a hero. Yeah. And, and so you saw a guy that always had the belief in himself and the conviction. And then as he turned heel in mid south, he still had that, that conviction and that belief in himself to where you're like, I'm like, is he lying? I don't, I, I don't know. I, I want to believe what he's saying, even though he's against Magnum TA, who's an honorable young man. Yes. Yes. 
I remember we so, talked about this before, didn't we? Because I, th- I think we, we spoke uh, a couple of months back, a few months back now. And at the time, I remember you saying, I think that when you were watching this, first of all, you, you just wanted them to not break up and just like, let's just, just make, you know, make friends again if you like and don't break up. We just want you guys to be a tag team. And I think that was, that was the vibe that people, people didn't want Mr. Wrestling 2 to turn. Or, or I guess it's probably the wrong way of putting it, but people didn't necessarily want Magdam to like fly off the handle and attack him. They just wanted them to, these guys to get along. And that's quite different, isn't it? Really? in terms of and that's how you get you get there when someone's built up a lot of goodwill i think right and i mean and it, 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 you just you wanted to see it work mm. but it you know wrestling too you know he was he was getting older yeah and and he he knew that he was you know just not going to be able to keep up with guys like magnum forever as you know as a face because you know, here's Magnum, young, fast, exciting, you know, great looking. It's like, you know, he's, you know, he, he did a, I mean, he did a, a real sacrifice to himself, uh, you know, for the, for the business really, because I mean, if he had just said, well, I'm, I, you know, I can't, I can't be a heel because, you know, it's going to ruin me in other places. But no, I mean, he, you know, he, he, did this and and you know it became a huge deal in the story of, of professional wrestling yeah absolutely he, and and uh mr wrestling 2 is the original mr wrestling 2 here uh, mr wrestling in the storyline as is at this time is 49 years old he actually turns 50 that that's that year september so i mean he's, he's still in great shape and i tell you what if he's just as good as jericho uh is now and he was then i think at a similar sort of ages so yeah very, very good stuff i think yeah um so back from the break, Mr. Wrestling 2 is ready for his match with Magnum TA. So that Mr. Wrestling 2 in this instance is, is, is a future Hurt Fleet Fernandez. Um, so Mr. Wrestling is in the ring and he asked Jim Ross why they can't have their title match. Um, Ross says he can't answer that, but he wants to ask them if they wanted to fight the Rock and Roll Express so much, why did they run away when they came back in the ring? Oh, that was great from Ross. He, he does, he does throw a, th- a few of these sort of, antagonistic lines in a few times when he when he's doing his uh his interviews and stuff which i which i really do like um mr and i'm sure these are all ad obviously all of this is ad lib really then isn't it i'm sure they, these guys probably had some idea of what they're going to say but there's so much freedom i'm sure to just do what they want and that's that's where magic's created which is which is sadly missing in, in quite a lot of wrestling these days yeah, absolutely. Mr. Wrestling says they could beat them at will, uh, but they said they wanted a title match, and he doesn't want to waste his time beating them without a title on the line. Um, so as he's saying this, Magnum TA comes out to big cheers, and Jim Ross announces him as the number one contender to the North American title, and it's him versus the physically imposing Mr. Wrestling 2. Um, so Magnum hits him with a crazy-looking move early here. Um, I think this was an attempt at a leapfrog, but Mr. Wrestling 2 doesn't duck, and he gets caught almost with a leg larry. Have you ever seen Magnum do this before? Do you think this was a botch? Do you, do you remember the bit I'm talking about where he, he leaps up and like or hits him with his sort of inside of his quad? Yeah, that was that was kind of wonky. I've never seen Magnum do do that. Uh, I think it was so, a botch, wasn't it? It looked fine. It looked great. I mean, it looked great. Yeah, actually. it looked good. Yeah, yeah but uh, yeah. but it was definitely it was definitely not something that his repertoire you know before or after. No, I, yeah, I think this was a, this was a leapfrog and, and the guy didn't duck. Uh, so TA then hits him with a lovely looking punch, back elbow slam and leg drop, all with picture perfect execution. Um, two gets back on top with an eye rake and a low looking kick. And there's a big suplex followed by two, uh, by two, followed by a pinfall attempt. But Magnum makes it out. Mr. Wrestling 2 then follows up with a big slam and elbow drop and Magnum kicks out again. Joel on commentary says that Magnum has got great heart. Two then locks in a bear hug, and Magnum tries to fight his way out, but two cinches it in further. Joel speculates it's going to be difficult getting out of this with the lack of oxygen this, moves cause, this move causes. He <laughs> thinks Magnum just might have his hands full today. Um, and I've I actually written here, Joel is far from a polished commentator, but he's bearable, and he's no, he's no worse than the robots in current WWE. I, I, I do think, I think by the, the standard of the time... He's he's not very good at all, but the standard of today, he's actually fine, which is which is just shows how far we've fallen really in commentary. Um, yeah. Magnum tries to fight out again, but gets caught with the forearm and is right back into it. Um, 
right back into the bear hug. Uh, Magnum again fights out. And out of nowhere, he hits his belly-to-back suplex, belly-to-belly suplex for what should be the win. But Mr. Wrestling jumps up on the apron. And even though there was no way he was making it in time to save the three can, Magnum goes after him. Um, in the background, two puts on his knee, puts on his knee the foreign object that was caused in the, that he used in the Superdome some weeks before to retain his title. Um, the rest back is turned here. But as soon as two hits Magnum with it, he calls for the bell pointing at the knee, which I thought was quite a nice touch. Uh, and both Mr. Wrestling's then attack Magnum with kicks until the Rock and Roll Express make the save and they flee the ring. So Magnum wins this one by DQ in 402. Uh, what do you think of this encounter between Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling 2? Um, he's, uh, you know, it was, it was a good match to further the feud. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This is an angle match, wasn't it, really? An angle match. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Wrestling 2 looks strong. Magnum, you know, good comebacks, etc., and should have got the win. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, I thought it was fine for what it was. And, and actually, you don't really want to be beating Mr. Wrestling 2, um, just yet. Uh, not to skip forward too much until the next episode, but there's some foreshadowing going on. You can, you can look forward to that next week. Um, so next up, we have Dr. Death Steve Williams versus Nikolai Volkov. Um, this is a rematch to one of the early episodes I reviewed in the autumn of 1983. Um, Volkov wants to sing the national anthem and request that everyone stands while he does so. Um, and again, this is not the version that he later sings in the WWF. Uh, Williams watches on and they show the crowd one with a mask waving the stars and stripes well, this, this, was, this was great really there are lots of, lots of American flags do you think they I guess they sold these to the crowd here in Shreveport rather than people bringing them along or do you think there's a bit of both um, it's a little bit of both yeah yeah um, so Volkov then attacks Williams at the bell and is in top on top early going. Um, what says that Volkov was supposed to wrestle Williams in freestyle, but he forfeited? Do you, I, I, don't, I wasn't familiar with this angle. Do you, do you know about this? No, I didn't. But um, uh, you know, it doesn't shock me. Uh, mm. You know what? You know, Doctor Death was just—he uh, was a beast. You know, in in college, in, you know, wrestling as well as football. Yeah, I mean, a super dual athlete, wasn't he, um, Williams? It's always just a shame. I always think that him... I was listening to about this the other day. I, ha- I haven't seen the documentary. I don't know if you've seen it. The Viceland thing on um, the Brawl for All. They, they, this is the series where they did Benoit earlier in the year. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but there, I, I was into a podcast about it. But I think Williams was, was obviously a little bit on the decline when they put him in that. And the, and the idea was for him to win and feud with Steve Austin. Obviously, he lost to... Uh, uh, Bart Gunn and, and got really badly injured in that and was never really quite the same again. But I think it's a, it's a shame, really. I, I need to I keep thinking it's, it's on my list of matches to watch, but I really want to go back and, and look at some of his All Japan stuff because I understand that he is, you know, pretty fantastic in some of those some of those big matches. And I'm sure he was great in the, in his 80s runs as well. Yeah, after this, because he he's pretty um, he's still really raw in this uh, in this match against Volkov. Uh, you know, kind of clumsy. Mm. Uh, at, at times, I thought, uh, you know, compared compared to where he would be in like in like three or four years from then, he he got tremendously better mm. from this point forward because uh, I, I I almost didn't recognize him. Um, you know, he didn't he didn't put as much you know effort in into certain things. And, you know, some things he just, you know, you could kind of tell you, you know, like even just like an elbow drop, he, he was kind of like lowering his body down very low before he took his other foot out from underneath him to drop down. So, you know, it's, it seemed like he was still kind of green um, at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know if you have you ever heard of the did you ever hear the story about um, uh, Dr. Death uh, wrestling Scott Steiner freestyle one day no i haven't no it, go ahead if you know yeah it, it was uh it, the 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 way the story goes is, is it was uh during during a time uh where williams and gordy were there and apparently scotty had been um had been you know wrestling some guys freestyle in the ring you know just to you know make himself feel good about how good of a wrestler he, he used to be and you know it was kind of you know you know, just kind of manhandling some of the some of the other guys, and uh, and then Doctor Death gets in there with him. Doctor Death doesn't use his hands. Oh wow! <laughs> and pins Scott Steiner with his torso and legs, and maul just they they said he just mauled him, and he didn't use his hands. 
That is crazy. So what would you know what sort of time period this would have been? I believe it was around 92. Okay, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's that's quite incredible because I guess they were both sort of NWA around that sort of time. So I guess that that yeah. would have yeah, that was that, crossover. That, yeah. that huge that Miracle Violence connection versus the Steiners run that when the you know right before the Steiners left for so WWF. Williams and Terry Gordy was that. Yes. The, yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um. So ne- the ne- next bit in this match is that. Nikolai Volkov hits two sentons in the ring. He get, he hits the first one and then misses the second one. I've never seen Volkov do this before. Could you ever recall him, him hitting like a Jeff Hardy style? I mean, it wasn't off the ropes, but very impressive move for Volkov as a big heavyweight. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I you know he 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 was kind of better than uh, he than he showed a lot in. Um, you know, in, in WWF where people remember him so much from the singing and the plodding around. And, you know, he might have gotten an injury in there somewhere in between, you know, there and, and you know, WWF. Uh, but uh, he, he he really wasn't wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I always thought he was he, his his offense particularly looked really. I mean, I, I was going to say stiff, but the stiff is it, it. It was stiff, but it looked it looked believable. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was. It, I, I always thought he looked like a bit of a killer, especially in these early episodes. Um, so Williams is on top now. He hits the three point stance, and then beats Volkov clean as a whistle with his Oklahoma Stampede body slam. Um, we see Volkov a little bit later on this um, on this show, but this this. Episode is actually his last Mid South television appearance. He would go on to appear in some live events of Mid South and Houston Wrestling, and um, would then head to Georgia Championship Wrestling for some dates in May before coming back to lose a Loser Leaves Town barbed wire match featuring him and Crusher Khrushchev versus um, Jim Duggan and Steve Williams. Um, he had one more event in Tulsa two days later, and that was it for Volkov in Mid South. Um, he would be in Georgia Championship Wrestling exclusively from June 1984 um, through the end of July and then would make his WWF debut on August 10th, 1984, defeating Johnny Phillips at the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis. Oddly, he made one appearance in the AWA in October 89 against Ken Patera. Um, and I'm, not, I'm not sure what that was about, but he was exclusive to the WWF until the end of 1990. He was then out on independence until making a return in the 1992 Royal Rumble. Um, this was a one-off as he then spent some time working in Eastern Championship Wrestling and other indies before making a return to the WWF in April 1994, where he remained until December 94. He was back for the Gimmick Battle Royal at WrestleMania 17. And his last match was on the 9th of June 2017, age 68, where he beat DJ Hyde in Williamstown, New Jersey. Um, Nikolai, real name Joseph, Joseph Perutzevich, Debuted way back on September the 9th, 1968 in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and he ultimately passed away on July 29th, 2018. Um, so he would have been 69 then. Um, so while he didn't go straight back to the WWF, what was ultimately his second run, um, this does feel like the first big name departure from Mid-South around this time. And Volkov was a former Mid-South North American champion, albeit only officially registered as being two days. And later was a WWF World Tag Team champion with the Iron Sheik. So yeah, just just going through Nikolai here, because this is, this is the last time that we're going to be speaking about him on the on the podcast. Um, any memories of Nikolai um, after what will be the last time we see him on, on Mid-South TV here? Well, I mean, it, it kind of a kind of unceremonious uh, loss. I mean, it it, it was not uh, the most uh, climactic end, and you know, um, the Oklahoma Stampede would would kind of evolve more. You know, where he would he would throw the guy over his shoulder completely and run into the turnbuckle one time, and then come you know rebound off, and then turn that into a power slam. Um, so, you know, really, it really made that move something you could, you know, kind of feel it develop and, and anticipate that big boom about to happen. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it, you know, just kind of one of those things where, you know, guys left the territory and it just kind of, you know, fizzled. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, after the break, we have in ring the shadow, and I don't know who this is. I wondered if it was Mr. Wrestling in a mask, but I don't think it is. Do you have any idea on who this guy? This guy is. I think this is only one of two two uh, showings on Mid South. Um, at the 
at the at the end of the. So yeah, the, so the next match is is the Shadow versus Terry Taylor, but I I, I couldn't find anything about oh, this, this guy, the Shadow, I, at all. He he just had to, he looked like a jobber that that found one of the assassins' masks laying yeah, around somewhere. Exactly. It, so, it, it might have been um it might have been uh one of Hercules's assassin number two masks because it was big on that guy's head. Yeah, it was. I think it was something. Someone didn't turn up, and they push and they put a mask on someone that they had, right. but someone that we probably all knew. Um, I thought he, he looked like an older guy, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was Mr. Wrestling, the original Mr. Wrestling too, because I think he's, he looked like he had a bit more of a tan. Um, but yeah, it was it was strange the way that this guy was. The previous week, he was really promoted as like a newcomer, really impressive win loss record, and he, and he he lost last week. And obviously here against um, Terry Taylor, who gets a great reaction. Um, he ends up losing again. So yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I I I suspect someone just didn't turn up. It was it was a device for TV time. I think. Yeah. 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 Um, so hit, Taylor hits a Luthes press right at the, at the bell for a near fall, um, which is great. I thought it's very Steve Austin like. Um, and Joel actually says in commentary that the Shadow lost to Terry Allen the previous week, which is using Magnum's real name. Um, Shadow gets on top by pulling the hair and works over Taylor. Um, he traps him with a figure four leg lock, and Taylor is struggling to break free. Joel says that Terry's neck is still not entirely healed after being injured by Butch Reed, and he's not sure that any other man would be in the ring right now. Taylor fights back into it with an abdominal stretch, but the shadow makes it out. Taylor tries to get him with a roll-up, but the shadow makes it out again. Taylor's on top now, and he's working over the arm. He holds the shadow down and drops knee drops on it before being caught in a body triangle and then has his eyes raked. The shadow hits a nice headlock takedown out of the corner while the crowd chants, Go, Terry, go. He goes for it again, but Taylor is wise this time and reverses it into a good-looking atomic drop. There's a missed drop kick by um, the Shadow, and then Taylor slams the Shadow into the corner, and this all ultimately leads to Taylor hitting his flying forearm for the win in 407. Thought this was this was fine for what it was. What did you think of this Terry Taylor and the Shadow match? It's you know Terry Taylor was really over. He was very over there. Um, you know he he tells he tells a great story about. You know when he finally was going to get his shot at, at Ric Flair, uh, and and the the NWA World Heavyweight Title, and I, I believe it was at the at the at the Superdome, and it was just this huge build up, and for according to him, they sent him to go pick up Ric Flair from the airport. Oh really? Okay. And yeah, and he said the Ric Flair was wasted. Just completely drunk off his ass, incoherent. They get to the arena. They get they get into the um, get in the locker room. Flair tells him to bring him coffee, and like Ric Flair is like ready to go, like ten seconds before he needs to walk out. And and they have this fantastic match. And, you know, Terry looks great. He still loses, of course. But, you know, I mean, it's just, just another, you know, another amazing tale of the, the functioning alcoholic that, uh, that, that Ric Flair is. But, but Taylor was very over, you know, the, the Red Rooster thing, I think really hurt his career so much because he was never the same after that. Uh, you know, he went from being someone that people believed in and somebody people that so many people liked him because he was pretty, a pretty genuine young guy. Yeah. And then walking around with a stupid red Mohawk and dirk a doodle do and all that crap. And, you know, it, his, it didn't do his real fans any, any favors. No, I mean, and, and that's the sort of thing that you, when you look back on it, you think, I mean, this 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 mishap is a big promotion, lots of lots of populated cities and towns and stuff that they went to, and why would you not bloody hate the WWF if you if they take your number one babyface, like the sort of heartthrob guy, the 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 guy that the girls want to be with and the guys want to be like, like cool character, nice guy. Like a proper, you know, old school proper baby face, and then all of a sudden they make him do do a rooster gimmick. It's like, oh, no wonder people hold, you know, 
hold this sort of against the WF. I just looked up while, while, while you were talking about the, the, the story, actually. So, so I don't know which, that was possibly the, maybe the first one, the first Ric Flair and Terry Taylor match in Mid-South. It was April yeah. 85. Um, and then they did it five more times after that. One was co-promoted in, uh, in Houston. Though, some of the, and I don't know whether you know the answers, but some of the, on cagematch.net, which I use for a lot of this research, um, mm-hmm. some of the Houston wrestling is, is, looks like it's co-promoted. So Houston, it's in Houston wrestling, but it's also got the Mad Mid-South banner on it. So I guess that was because maybe they, there was a talent, there's talent sharing between the two. Um, but there was, yeah, six overall matches, um, in, in Mid-South. And they did, they did a number of other matches in, in other places as well. Um, well, and, and you know, that also probably has to do with, like you said, who the talent is and who the actual promoter was. Because, yes. you know, because back then you had to be, you had to be an actual promoter with a promoter's license and you had to deal with permits and, and the athletic commission and all that bullshit. So, uh, that probably, you know, why you see like co-promoted shows and stuff like that, you know, uh, and, and then they kind of share the, the gate revenue and things like that. Oh, sorry. The one that you were talking about, Zeus, was this, was it Superdome, you, the, the, that one? I think that's what he said. I yes, think yeah, yeah, okay. So the Superdome one was 1st of June at 85. So that was their 1, 2, 3, f- uh, fifth match overall, I think. Um, but yeah, the first one was in Oklahoma at the Myriad. I know that was a big, big arena for, um, for uh, Mid-South as well. Interestingly, they did a draw. In sh- oh, this, that's, so 30th of April, 85, Mid-South event, Municipal Auditorium in Shreveport. So that wouldn't have been the TV taping. They did a draw. I wonder if that was a 60-minute draw. But all of these matches, you got 29 minutes, 31, 36, 39. I mean, these guys were earning their money with, with these. I bet they were. Unfortunately, I'd imagine most of those have probably gone forever because I doubt there's too many... They, they probably certainly wouldn't have been taped properly at the Superdome. And, and if they were taped too, it would have been sort of steady cam stuff. But I'm interested to see whether any of that actually appears on TV next, uh, next year when that we get to, get to 85. Um, so back to the show. We've got Crusher Khrushchev versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan next. Um, Khrushchev attacks Duggan. He's getting the, getting into the ring, which is a lot of baby faces in this promotion fall for, I've noticed. Um, <laughs> and then he slams Duggan. That or taking their vest off. It's like, come on guys, keep, Keep your wits about you and get in the ring. So he slams Duggan's head into the ring post on the outside. Um, he's then hurled in and stomped on by Khrushchev. What says there's been a lot of heat between these two fellas. Um, very sort of channeling Seamus there, I thought. Um, Duggan fights back into it with an elbow to the gut, but is soon hurled to the outside again. Um, Duggan grabs Khrushchev's leg and slams it on the apron and then into the ring post. Um, Duggan hits a back elbow and then hits some big shots and a big right hand that puts Khrushchev down. Khrushchev is back into it with a rake. He chops, he drops down, but Duggan hits the spear off the ropes. And once again, with the three count clear and obvious, Duggan stands up and goes to the man coming in rather than taking the win. So Nikolai Volkov, after our sort of tearful goodbye to him earlier in the podcast, uh, Butch Reed are out there. And they have what looks like shaving foam, and they're rubbing it into Duggan's hair. Um, Joel says that they have clippers as well. Um, I don't know why you need foam for clippers. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, is is a question for you? So I don't know what your your normal hair is, but obviously one of the <laughs> one of the problems with lockdown is no no hairdressers. So I um, took the unusual step of asking my I bought some clippers and asked my wife to tri- to shave my hair off, um, which went particularly badly. Um, so I don't know if you're, whether you whether anyone, you or anyone in your household has got that dilemma coming up, but. Uh, no, no, but, uh, but, but I've been, I've been shaving my head for, for 20 years. Oh, so. uh, okay. So that's, so you're, you're well versed in it. I mean, I must say the clippers I bought, the, the attachment, the first attachment on it was one of the most useless things you could ever possibly imagine. And <laughs> half of the back of my hair was like, almost bald, but then you couldn't cut other bits of it. So we had to, had to go sort of, uh, I think it was like maybe six millimeters over the top. So like a grade two. So yeah, it didn't look particularly good. And it doesn't, doesn't, I'm, I've got a slight microphone head gun at the moment now. So yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the, one of the great things about lockdown in London. Um, so back to the Jim Duggan angle here. So, um, again, I don't know why they need phone for Clippers, but I thought Joel actually, to give him his due, did a pretty great job here, um, putting over this moment and screaming that it Jim Duggan... It was a good visual, like, though. Yeah, Jim Duggan, yeah, yeah, exactly. That makes sense. I think that's, that's probably the reason they did it, actually, thinking about it. Um, so Dr. Death and Steve Williams, Dr. Death, Steve Williams and Terry Taylor make the save here. Um, it looks like Duggan throws the Clippers out into the crowd, which I'm sure would breach current health and safety regulations if that sort of smash someone in the face uh, what did you think of this match and the and the angle post-match here uh the, the match was kind of sloppy uh yeah. n- neither one of these guys were were as good as they'd be in a couple of years also 
So, um, you know, it was kind of a sloppy brawl, uh, but they, they did know how to, you know, keep the crowd invested and, you know, and, and convey the, the story. You know, it's, that's one thing, you know, they, they didn't, those guys didn't need, you know, a minute by minute breakdown of what their match should be. They, they just went out there and, and, and knocked it out. And, you know, not once again, you know, they, not too long. You know, and, you know, just, just went in and kind of got it over with. But, you know, Khrushchev would, you know, would really, you know, really not maybe shine as much until the end of his run in JCP and then the beginning in, uh, you know, when he started, uh, teaming with Axe and Demolition. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But he um, was definitely, I mean, he, he had a pretty good character work and he, he he was you know he kept he kept that character alive you know in in uh, Jim Crockett and you know and he he could talk you know yeah. he could talk oh, yeah I've, I've been impressed with him I, I think I think he's been good in ring and, and good overall character and, and no one has a better shirt than the I Love Russia one that he had on which is just <laughs> uh, just incredible um, so because we haven't seen enough of this over the last few weeks they show the Super Day at the Superdome video again and when we come back from this Boyd says that we all have a super date here next week with the Express $50,000 showdown and that's yes. all that's announced for next show so what did you think of this this one overall uh, the episode 245 on YouTube well it's it, it's a good setup for the next one it makes you it's a good episode you yeah, know, they did. They did a lot of different things. They gave you a taste of this, that, and the other, and of course, you wanted to see what's going to happen next. You know, yeah, absolutely. Because, because yeah. you know, one of the things about a clean pin, it doesn't in in uh, in mid south. Just because you lost, if you still got your ass kicked after the match, you you didn't really win. Mm. You know, I mean, to, 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 you know, as far as like the, the, the heel mentality, it's like, oh, you pinned me, but then I just beat the crap out of you afterwards. You know, so it, it kind of, it didn't feel so finite, like, like, oh, you know, I lost and now my loop, my winning streak is over and no one's ever going to believe that I can win again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, th- I thought it was a decent, decent, this was a decent show. I like the tag team match with Rock and Roll Express and Masato Ito um, and Buddy Landell. And also the follow-up with the Mr. Wrestlings um, was, was quite good fun in that as well. Um, I like the Magnum match as well. Um, I was a little underwhelmed by the contract signing, albeit it was still good. Um, I, just, I just expected there to be like a big explosive thing. Uh, but very looking, very much looking forward to their match next week, uh, which I'm pleased to say is you should be joining um, as well. But before um, we bid farewell for this week... Um, let us know where we where we can find you and find your show and everything um, online. Yeah, so uh, every Saturday morning at uh, 11, 11 a.m. Uh, Horseman time zone, Eastern, uh, <laughs> and 10, uh, 10, 10 a.m. Um, Mid-South time zone, uh, we are on the Texan Spaniard YouTube channel. Just uh, search Mark Out Mania. Um, uh, we're, we're, in the, we're in the 90s now. Uh, of episodes, uh, which is pretty exciting. So Pedro and James and I, uh, we've been, we've been doing, uh, had, you know, since, since, uh, uh, so much Corona around, we, we, uh, some of our, uh, guest, um, our guest, uh, uh, hosts have, have come back around again too. So, uh, it's been a lot of fun, uh, talking about, uh, you know, the things that we missed and the things that are going on. So uh, if you if you like to check that out, it, they're all on YouTube, and you can you're you're welcome to come join us live. Great stuff, Suze. Well, thank you very much for joining me, and we shall speak again very very soon. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe, and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting. Please contact me via the Mid-South Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments. And I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.